Welcome to the Hidden Wire Podcast. This is episode 764. This is my interview with Ruth Sukup. Do it scared. Guys, I hope you enjoy this show. Cheers. G'day guys, welcome to the Hidden Wire Podcast. Great to have you here with me today. Guys, I've got a cracker of an interview to bring you. It's a shorter interview and it is with Ruth Sukup. In this episode, I chat with Ruth about her new book, Do It Scared. It's an awesome book. It has equal parts of inspiration and tough love and it combines practical, easy to implement strategies for overcoming fear and resistance in our lives, along with the motivation and encouragement to actually start making real changes that will lead to big results. Guys, it's a fantastic conversation. We start off and Ruth shares her story quite vulnerably. It's an amazing story and it really provided me a little bit of inspiration and and really insight that we're not alone. You know, there's people that have gone through much harder things than us and to let our fears stand in our way is just not really an excuse. I think the idea is that fears actually grow us. By walking into our fears, we become stronger. We, we gain more courage, and for that, we can pursue our dreams. Guys, that's what it's all about for me. I think when you finish listening to this, I'll be surprised if you don't walk away with a bit of inspiration, a bit of courage, and the motivation to really go out there and follow your dreams, because it's not about the fears of spiders or the fears of cockroaches. I have a little bit of a fear of creepy crawly things. It's more about the fears that limit us, the fears that hold us back from pursuing those things that we really want to go out there and do. Guys, check it out, thehiddenwhy.com. All the show notes will be there. And pick up a copy of Ruth's book. Support her. Read about the seven categories of fears. And uh, enjoy the show. Enjoy your day. I'll talk to you soon. G'day, Ruth, and welcome to The Hidden Why Podcast. How are you today? I'm awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's great for you to uh, be joining us today, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. You've just launched or will be launching a new book by the time this is aired. It should be up, and that is called Do It Scared, Finding the Courage to Face Your Fears, Overcome Adversity, and Create a Life That You Love. So I think that's fantastic and certainly aligned with uh, many of the talks and topics that we have on the show here at The Hidden Why. And um, it's sort of an interesting title too, Do It Scared. I mean, why would we want to do anything scared? Well, the funny thing about courage is that courage really doesn't mean that we're never afraid. Courage is taking action despite our fear. And so that's sort of the thought behind Do It Scared. It's not, you don't have to wait until you're not afraid. You just have mm. to take a step, take an action, take action in the right direction, even even while you fear, feel afraid. And that will then give you the courage to take the next step. Yeah, right. I get that. Yeah. I mean, we often do wait until we're not so scared or feared and uh, that doesn't often come. We've got to take that action and move beyond those uh, moments of uncomfortableness and adversity. Yeah. Oh, action is actually the antidote to fear. It is the one, it is the one and only thing that will help you start overcoming that fear. So every time, every time you take a step, every time you take that one little action in the right direction, Mm. it's going to give you a little bit more courage and a little bit more strength to take the next one and the next one and the next one. Okay, cool. So we'll get into your book and why you wrote this book. And then I want to sort of run through perhaps maybe the three main sort of topics or benefits the reader could expect from picking up a copy of the book and maybe a couple of practical takeaways as well. Um, But first, let's start with why did you write this book? I mean, is this something that you've battled with this fear of, um, you know, taking action and doing things that you wanted to do and, and never being able to do them? Uh, absolutely. It's yeah. definitely been a recurring theme in my own life. I've dealt with a lot of fear throughout my life and all different situations. And so do it scared actually for me was more of a personal, a personal mantra that I've 
had probably for the last 20, 25 years, ever since I've been an adult. And it was just my little reminder to myself, you just got to do it. You just got to do it. You just got to take that step. And it started, you know, in my early twenties, I went through a really bad depression. I talk about it in the book and it was very serious. I had multiple suicide attempts, ended up hospitalized for a couple of years Mm -hmm. and was just really hit rock bottom. And through all that, I had, I had been married. I got divorced. I ended up dropping out of college. I filed for bankruptcy pretty much every, every rock bottom moment that you could experience. I experienced sort of all at once in my early twenties. And so then having to learn how to fight back from that and still create, create a life in even just like a normal life, not an exceptional life, just a normal life from there was really, really challenging. And that was sort of where that do it scared mantra started to come into play. I didn't have to know all the steps. I just had to take one step and then another step and then another step. Hmm. And that's sort of been the story of my life. And so, you know, now I have this, I have this great business and I have this amazing community that uh, a community that I've developed of over a million, over a million people in our, our community now. And one of the things that I kept hearing from these members of our community was I, I feel like I'm sitting on the sidelines of my life. I feel like I don't dare jump in. I just don't dare. You talk about going after your goals and dreams, but I don't dare. What's wrong with me? Why, why can't I do this? And so it got me so curious about the role of fear in our lives. Why do we let fear hold us back? What is this fear that's holding us back and how can we overcome it? Hmm. And so I started digging deeper and I started asking a lot more questions and I ended up doing this huge survey of my audience. And we ended up surveying over 4,000 people it became this, this huge, huge study that I didn't even really expect at first. And we had so much data that I had to hire a whole team of researchers to help me go through it. But what we found from all of it was really, really fascinating. And that was the biggest discovery was that not all fear is created equal. It really manifests itself for different people in different ways. Mm. And so that was what, and I talk about this in the book, what we discovered was that there are seven very unique ways that fear presents itself in our lives. And those I call the seven fear archetypes. Yes, I can. The fear archetype. That's pretty cool. Can I just jump back for a second with this, um, you know, your early twenties, do you, did you sort of connect with the the cause of your depression? Was it anything in particular that sort of put you into a state of depression or was it just life in general? Not life in general. I was my official diagnosis with was major depression and um, post traumatic stress disorder. I was uh, sexually abused when I was a kid, and wow. when I was in my early twenties, I had a lot of those. My abuser died, and so when after I found out I di- that he died, apparently this is very common that you'll start to it'll sort of trigger a lot of memories or um, sort of bad feelings. And at the same time, it was sort of the perfect storm of of bad things happening. I was taking a ton of credits at college. It was my senior year of college and I was overloaded. I had two of my brothers that were living with my husband and I, um, that I was responsible for taking care of. So I had a lot of responsibility. I was working full time. I was unhappily married. And so then all, when all of these other things started happening, yes, a lot more than, more than any 21 year old should have to deal with. And so it sort of just all came to a head. And I also happened to be taking a lot of existential philosophy at the time. I think I was taking like two existential philosophy courses on top of all of the other classes. I was taking. And so it just sort of all culminated in this 
decision that life had no meaning for me. And, and, and that I think that was how I dealt with all of these flashbacks and feeling and dealing with the trauma of, of being abused. And I just didn't know how to cope with it. And so I, for me, it was a, I just, just a decision that life had no meaning. I didn't want to live anymore. Mm -hmm. And that sort of spiraled down into two years, two and a half years of of multiple suicide attempts and, and really a terrible depression to the point where, um, I ultimately ended up having electroshock therapy after all the medication proved to not work. And it was, it was definitely a long, hard road. And, um, one of those things where I think anybody who knew me back then would have looked at me and said, her life is ruined. And the thing that I saw when I was in that place too, because once you, once you, and I don't know how it works in Australia with the mental health system, but in mental hospitals in the United States are not great places. And, and what I would see, and even, and I was in like some of the better hospitals and they're, they're still not great places. And I would never see anybody get better. Nobody, people would, would come and their insurance would last for a few weeks or a few mm-hmm. months. And then they'd get discharged and then they would self-harm again and, or something would happen and they would come right back. And it was just sort of this revolving door of all the same people coming back again and again and again. And never, no one ever got better. And so I remember saying to my therapists and doctors, like, why, like, why should I believe you that life is going to get better, that my life is going to get better? I've ruined my life now. There's nothing out there for me. There's it, nobody ever gets better. And so eventually I did. And it took a really long time. It was, you know, hitting rock bottom and then sort of taking a completely different approach. What I did is I, I found a completely different therapist and I went to her and said, I have just spent the last two and a half years talking about every bad thing that's ever happened to me. It hasn't helped. I'm not better. I don't even know how to live. I've lost all my friends. I've lost my husband. I've lost everything. I've filed for bankruptcy. I have nothing left. You just, please just tell me how to live now. And that was, that was what we did. That was what we focused on. We focused on doing the most basic mundane things. I mean, it started for me, like learning how to go to the grocery store without having a panic attack and getting a dog because the dog got me out of the house every day. I got the most hyper spastic dog you could ever imagine a chocolate lab. And she needed so much exercise that I had no choice, but to get out of the house uh, multiple times a day. And I started to make friends and friends that were, you know, healthy, normal people and in my life and slowly, slowly just started to take one step and then another step and then another step to the point where eventually I had a normal life again. And I started going, I went back to school. I finished my degree. I started applying to law school, law schools and, um, you know, found, found my way back, met an amazing guy. And then one step led to the next step, led to the next step where I could have never imagined when I was in the the depths of of that depression Hmm. that anything like that could ever happen. In fact, I remember they told me when I was in the hospital, one, one of the exercises they had me do one time was just write a list of the thing of what you want your life to be like 10 years from now. And it was, and I laughed at that because I thought 10 years from now, I'm going to be dead. I'm not even going to be here. So this is a stupid exercise. I was (laughs) not like real agreeable mental patient either. And I, I don't know that most of I don't are. know if there would be any. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so I said, no, this is totally stupid. They're like, oh, just, just try it. And I remember writing down things that were so 
so mundane things like I want to be married to the love of my life. I want to have kids. I want to have a, I want to have a garden. I would like to have long hair. I mean, things that most people would look at and go, those aren't really goals. Those are just things that people do. But at the time they felt to me like impossible. Like, I mean, I might as well have said, I want to create a colony on the moon. I mean, that's how impossible they said they sounded to me. And so I wrote these things down, but putting them out there to the world, what was, what was really amazing was that, cause I kept that list and eventually I accomplished all of those things. And then I was able to start doing more things and bigger things and better things to the point where I am now, where I've, you know, I look back and I go, what the heck happened? But I w- I started this business and again, took one step and then another step to the point where I now have this amazing seven figure business that I could have never dreamed about. And so I think it's just a testament to the fact that you don't have to have it all figured out. Doing Mm. it scared doesn't mean having every action of your life planned. It doesn't even mean you have to be in a great place. It just means you have to take that next step. Yeah, it's a really uh, crazy and inspiring story. I mean, showing, um, you know, what you've gone through and, and how small action steps have just grown to bigger action steps. So you can take over or, you know, take the courage to, you know, fight more of your fears and do more challenging things in life going from where you were to where you are now. is It's incredible. Um, do you think because of the rock bottom you hit, you've become more resilient and courageous in moving towards bigger, more audacious things than perhaps other people that haven't hit that sort of spot? Because I certainly can't attest to have hit some sort of rock bottom like that. Oh, absolutely. I think... I think that when you have those sort of experiences in your life, the beauty of those sort of experiences are that you then understand if I could, if I could fight my way back from that, there's nothing on earth that can keep me down. If I can hit that, that amount of low, there's no place to go, but up from, from there. And so it gives you, when you've had those experiences, it gives you the strength and the courage to have, to face the next obstacle that stands in your way. Because it's not, I, when I tell my story, a lot of times, you know, I, I, this happened, I'm 40 now. So this happened when I was 21. So it's 19. My, I just sound so young. Yeah. Nope. I'm 40, almost 41. I'll be 41 this week. Um, but so it was, you know, 20 years ago. Now I've had a lot of life in 20 years and that was a huge part of my life. That mm. depression well, lasted for two and a half years. And then what about recovery? But, like getting out of it, going to the, you know, simply going to the grocery store and doing your shopping. Like, that I mean, was probably must have another taken years. two years. Yeah. Yeah. That was probably another two years. So really like between 21 and 25 was really just a period of like figuring out my life and getting and trying to get put things back together. And so, but then even then I've had 15 years of, of being put back together, but that doesn't mean that every step along the way has been an upward trajectory. You know, yeah. it's life doesn't work that way. I've that still, I've had yeah. lots of lots of stumbles along the way, lots of hard things happening. It's, I have hard things happening in my life right now. It's, but that doesn't mean that's all of my life or that's the part that defines me. But I think the benefit of having gone through hard things before is that now I, I have the reserve of experience to draw on, to know that I've been through hard things. I can handle hard things and I will, Mm. I will persevere through this. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, how do you, um, because I certainly can experience it and say I'm still experiencing it where I'm 
I'm still feel like I'm moving forward in the positive direction from where I have been, but there's still times where I'm just going, like, I've just fallen back again. Like, what's going on? Like, you know, when you have those hurdles and stumbles, um, oh, how do absolutely. you deal with them? Other than, uh, yeah, I guess through experience and through taking action, you go, okay, well, I've done this before. I can do it again. Come on, pick yourself up and, you know, you can do it. But how, I- how do you help others see that? Well, I think there's a couple things that you can do. I think one of the things that we it's really important to to understand in your life is that obstacles and adversity are just a part of life. Mm. Every time we it's natural to get discouraged when things go wrong, but if we're always expecting things to go right or if even if we're thinking I already went through something bad, now my life should be good, this shouldn't happen anymore. That's the wrong that's the wrong approach to take. Knowing knowing that bad stuff is going to come your way, that adversity is going to come your way, that obstacles are going to come your way. You have to be prepared for them and mentally prepared for them to say, okay, when this thing happens, I'm going to be ready. I'm not going to let it defeat me. And then adopting a mentality of, I will not quit no matter what, no matter what obstacle stands in my way, I am not going to let this defeat me. I think so many people, so many people quit when things get hard and when things get messy or when things get a little bit uncomfortable and they quit right before they get to the gold. Mm. And the thing is, anytime you're going, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so I mean, everybody has, but every, anytime you're going for a, a goal or a dream, or you're going after something, or you're trying to accomplish something, it's going to get messy. It hit, you hit the messy middle. You will always hit the messy middle, no matter what it is. But what happens for so many people, because there's sort of a, there's sort of a journey that happens when, when you, anytime you start a new project, right? So think about it in the beginning, it's super exciting. You're all fired up. You've got all this energy and adrenaline and enthusiasm. And it just feels like, oh my gosh, you're on the mountaintop. I can't wait to do this. It's going to be great. And so you start and you're excited and that excitement lasts for a little while. And then you hit the first obstacle or maybe the second obstacle, maybe you manage to keep the enthusiasm for, through the first obstacle, but then the second obstacle comes mm-hmm. and the third one, and it starts to feel messy and it starts to feel hard. And then you start to think, I don't think it's supposed to be this hard. And what happens is you see other people who are either at the end of their journey, they've accomplished something great. They've already gone through the messy middle and you feel envious that you're not there yet. Or you see people who are starting something new and they have all that enthusiasm and you decide, oh, I think I need to start that thing. And so you go back to the new, you go, you go back and you start over with something else. And then you're all excited again. That sounds really familiar. (laughs) (laughs) And then you hit the messy middle again and you do the same thing again and again and again. But the only way to get the end result is to go through it. You have to go through that valley of the hard stuff. It it's always hard. There's always going to be hard parts. And I think when we forget that it's supposed to be hard, that's when we get ourselves into trouble. How do you and find so the joy thing, in that? And- well, I think, I think there is a lot of joy in that. There is joy in overcoming struggle. And I think if you can look, that's where the experience comes in. And when you can look at your life and look at anything that you've done in your life that you're proud of, it's always tied to a struggle. It's oh, you know, getting your getting your Absolutely. degree. It's tied but when you're going through that struggle, when you're in that messy messy middle that you're talking about, it's hard. But you just you know, how do you then find joy? Because we know through adversity, we know when we do the hard stuff, we feel better. Like you know, just getting up and going for a jog and feeling the pain of that starting out, but then you finish it and you're going, yes, that felt really good. 
how do you help people push through that messy middle? There's a couple, there's a couple things that I really strongly recommend for people. The first is to find and seek out accountability, form your truth club, have people in your life that will speak truth to you, that will encourage you, that will cheer you on, but also give you the tough love and say, Hey, you're quitting right now. You're, you're wanting to start over when what you need is to keep going, find a coach, find a counselor, find people in your life Hmm. that will hold you accountable and hold your feet to the fire and keep, and, but also encourage you and keep you going. And I've been really, I'm really intentional about doing that in my own life, but I'm really blessed to have such an amazing group of, of supportive people in my life who do speak truth to me on a regular basis. I think it's so important. I think so often we want people, we, we sort of, and maybe not consciously, but we seek out people who will tell us what we want to hear rather than what we need to hear. And so that's something that you have to be very intentional about is finding people that yes, will encourage you because that's important, but will also tell you the tough love things that you need to hear as well, because that is equally important, if not more important. So that means in that situation when we're trying to look for accountability or people that can help hold us accountable, we have to be very vulnerable and open and transparent with them, don't we? Because otherwise our subconscious mind will seek out those people that are going to support what we want to start, you know, moving towards. Yes. And that's really the hardest part is finding people that you can be vulnerable with and create that trust relationship. And it shouldn't be every, it shouldn't be everyone. And I actually talk about that in the book, you know, how do you know whether somebody is trustworthy or not trustworthy and how do you, because it's not, everybody is trustworthy and and it's not a naivete. It's not that you should bear your soul to everyone you you meet, but having a few select people in your life is really important. And then the other thing that's really important is to stay encouraged. And by that, I mean, because you know that thing, uh, obstacles are going to come your way is putting the safeguards in place in your life hmm. that keep you pumped up, that keep you motivated, that keep you encouraged. So whether it's listening to podcasts like this one on a regular basis, I highly, re- I mean, podcasts are the best thing ever because they're free. They're readily available. There's lots of different ones to choose from. You can have a constant flow of encouragement and positive messaging coming into your head every single day. And so that is what keeps you pumped up and keeps you motivated and keeps you encouraged every single day. Because we're human and human nature is as soon as these Mm. messages come in is we forget them. Every time something hard happens, every positive message that we have ever heard goes right out the window and we like sink into that despair, self-doubt, self-loathing, negative self-talk. I can't do this. I don't have this. I don't have what it takes and, or whatever your self-messaging is. And that's where the fear archetypes come in because there's lots of different types of self-talk that happens depending on what your deepest, deepest fear is. But staying encouraged is so, so, so important. Yeah. Podcast books. I'm just picked up this new book um, because I was saying to my wife last night, I'm halfway through a book and I'm just like, I'm not feeling the love. So I closed and just put it on the shelf and picked up a new one. And straight away, I was just like feeling the the encouragement, the motivation, the information that was just something that I was in need of. And, and I found it. So um, that and podcasts, yes, certainly keep me going. What, oh, um, it's so important. And if you find one that really connects to you, I, this is what I encourage people to do too, hmm. is listen to it over and over again. It, you don't have to 
have a whole bunch of different things. If, if like you said, like everybody connects with different messages in a different way. So what resonates for one person is not going to resonate or ring true for another person. So if you find that thing that's really resonating, that just you listen to it or you read it and you feel like, oh my gosh, yes, I needed to hear this. Read it again, read it again, read it again, listen to it again. I have people that will tell me about my podcast that they listen to all of the episodes on repeat again and again and again, because they just want to have that voice. My voice is the one that's resonating with them. So they want to have that voice in their head, pumping them up and telling them Mm -hmm. every day, you can do this. You've got this. And that's where we need it over and over and over again. And that doesn't make you weak. That makes you human because we all need it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Those are two really cool takeouts, you know, from this, this interview alone, uh, as well as your inspiring story. I want to just briefly jump back to the seven archetypes, uh, fear archetypes yeah. that you talk about. Can you sort of just sort of in a, a summary wrap them up and, and explain what they're all about? Yeah. So the seven fear archetypes is really the different ways that fear manifests itself in our lives. Mm. And we have each of us experience fear in a slightly different way. And the, and the thing to know about the fear archetypes is, is and you, as you read through them, you sort of recognize yourself in them or you recognize people that you know in them. We all tend to have one that's most dominant. Some okay, of us so it doesn't matter to. about the task at hand or the thing that we're sort of facing as, as far no, as our fears go, or is it just that we're one sort of fear archetype? The type of fear I specifically am addressing in the, in the book is not like a phobia, like fear of snakes or fear of spiders or something like that. But it is, it's more the, the internal fear that holds us back from stepping outside of our comfort zone or going after our goals and dreams. Mm-hmm. So that's specifically where the fear archetypes come into play. And we all sort of have a little bit of all of them in us, but one or two is usually most dominant. Right. And so each fear archetype has an underlying base fear that is what drives that fear. So for instance, the procrastinator has an underlying fear of making a mistake. And the procrastinator is another word for perfectionist. It's a very common fear, but so many people fear have this deep, deep fear of making a mistake or committing to something because it might mean they get it wrong. And that's the, the, so for the procrastinator, that is, that is their deepest fear. But for the people pleaser, their deepest fear is being judged or letting people down. Their fear is based much more, not on their own fear of making a mistake, but on their fear of what other people might say about the mistake. So when you start to see that, so for the people pleaser, their self-talk is going to be different than the self-talk for a procrastinator. Mm. Just like for the outcast, the outcast, their deepest fear is, is rejection. So it's not really, they don't care so much about what people think of them, but they do care about any time they perceive that they're being rejected. And so how the outcast normally deals with that is to reject everybody before they can be rejected themselves. Hmm. Um, the self-doubter, for instance, is has the deep, deep fear of not being capable. So for the self-doubter, that's you know, that's negative me. self well, that's the self-talk that's happening in your head is I, I can't do this. I don't have what it takes. I'm not enough. And, hmm. or I'm not, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not educated enough. Whatever enough is the thing that talks about it, that happens in okay. your head. That's where the self-doubter comes in. The fear of not being capable. There's the excuse maker, which is the fear of taking responsibility. So for the excuse maker, their deepest fear and their deepest, the 
is is being blamed for something or being held accountable or held responsible for something. And that that terrifies them more than making a mistake. It's not that and it, you know, they're they're somewhat connected because they don't want to make a mistake, but more than not wanting to make a mistake, they don't want to have other people blame them for the mistake. Okay. So it's really, really interesting. But the way that the the what the reason that the fear archetypes are so important is and that identifying these fears are so important is because it's sort of like when you're sick and you go to the doctor, the doctor can't treat you without knowing what's wrong with you, without having a diagnosis. And so once you identify how fear is manifesting itself in your life, once you start to see those patterns of behavior, because, you know, for me, I'm an outcast and I, after doing all this work, I've seen so clearly in my own life, how that fear of rejection plays out in so many ways that I never would have realized before. I just sort of, you know, you just, your subconscious works the way it works. And so you don't always know that things are happening in your life subconsciously until you see them, you spot them and identify them. And then it becomes much more clear. But once you've identified it, that's when you can start to fight back. And that's when you can start to rewrite those messages that are playing into your subconscious and start to, and then start to work to overcome that fear. That's cool. So you you did um, just tell us a little bit about this research that helped you identify these uh, fear archetypes. That was a, a yeah. study of how many people? We we surveyed, um, I believe it was close to forty four hundred people, and we mm-hmm. just we asked a lot of questions, a lot of open ended questions, but questions like what you know, what does it look like when fear holds you back, or what's an example of a time that you wanted to do something, you wanted to go after a goal or a dream but you let fear hold you back. What happened? How did, what did that look like? And how did it make you feel? And then on, on the converse side, what's the time when you did feel afraid, but you pushed past that fear and you did do the thing that you wanted to do. And so we asking those questions, we really started to get a, a, at such a strong sense because think there was, there were so many repeating patterns and that's sort of what, how it came out in the, and the fear archetypes, but the fear looks very different for different people, mm. but it does fit within these seven, these seven patterns. That's pretty cool. That's, um, you know, certainly I think anyone listening to this show could relate to having this fear and this fear, keeping them back from achieving certain things. So, um, certainly a great place to start guys, pick it up and, and see which one you align yourself with anyway. And, and then you'd be able to perhaps better assess what's holding you back and, and, you know, find the practices to overcome that. I'm assuming in your book um, you share with the, the readers, Ruth, some practices for each of those fear archetypes that they yes, can sort absolutely. of... Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. And um, I had uh, one more question there that just slipped my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, okay. So looking now, just to wrap things up, um, talking to the audience out there, we've all got something that we really want to do. There's probably something... Um, I can think think of a number of different things. How do you encourage someone to take that one thing and really move towards it from today? Well, you know, I think it's really important that you work on creating your action plan. And, and so if there is something that you've been thinking about doing, yes, the first step, the first step is identifying the fear that's holding you back. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we talk about with the fear archetypes. And then what I really recommend is, is working on some of the mindset stuff. That's sort of the next, the next step. So you've, you've identified it. You've said, okay, I get it. This is, this is the fear that's holding me back. But then it's more adopting, adopting a new set of core beliefs that are going to overwrite those 
that self-talk message that's happening in the back of your head. And so the, I talk about these principles of courage in Do It Scared. I, there, I have seven um, principles of courage that I've implemented in my own life that include things like there are no mistakes, only lessons. Rules are for suckers, which is the one to help the help all the rule followers who have a real aversion to stepping outside of the box or that don't mm-hmm. want to don't want to break the rules. Um but they include things like daring to think big, but, and I, and I go through each of those and talk about why, why they're so important and, and what kind of difference they'll make in your life. But then the next step after that is actually taking action. And for that, I recommend having a plan. So I'm a, I'm a big believer in thinking big, like having a big goal, having a sort of target that is the thing that you're going to shoot for. But from there, that's not enough because that can feel so unreachable and so out of touch with Mm. where you're at right now. Mm. And, you know, just like when I was depressed in the hospital, writing this list of things that I wanted to do 10 years from now, they, they all seemed impossible. Like I said, I could have been talking about colonizing the moon. It would have been, it would have seemed just as unlikely. So then it's a matter of breaking down those big goals into more manageable bites. And I actually walk you through a, a very, specific process for that, that I use, it's called think big plan small and how you start with your big goal and then break it down into smaller bites. And then from there you figure out what's the next step that I have to take right now. And, and then you can take that step. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. And, um, I can certainly relate. And there's a couple of goals on my list this year that, you know, I need to sort of revisit them. I think we always need to check in them because I feel like I've I've set them, I've come up with action plans, but I've let a few things slip, so I need to get back in there and sort of do that um, that action plan a bit more thoroughly again and, and keep moving forward in the right direction. Otherwise, you can, you know, slip once, slip twice, and you, you sort of slip too far back rather than, you know, stepping forward more positively. Well, you slip back, and then it, it's easy to get down on yourself, and you start to beat yourself up, and mm. then that becomes your that becomes your reason for not doing, for not for not continuing. Yeah. And, and so that's where it's again, so important to stay encouraged, but also to the, uh, uh, put accountability in place and adopt a no Couple excuses mentality. Hmm. You say, I am not going to make excuses for myself. I'm not, I, if I screw up, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. There are no mistakes, only lessons. That's another one of my principles of courage, <laughs> but you, you just got to keep going no matter what. I love it. Guys, check it out. Um, I'll stick the link of the book into the show notes as well. Um, So that is Do It Scared by Ruth Sukup. So I've got a couple of questions I just want to quickly ask you, Ruth. Do you have a book, favorite book um, that you'd recommend for listeners other than your own, of course? A favorite book. Oh my gosh. I have so many favorite books. If you're, if I'm talking about business, my favorite, favorite, favorite business book is, uh, Good to Great by Jim Collins, which I read every single year. And another one that I really love for just personal growth and development is The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. It's one that I read a lot too. Cool. And what about a quote? Like if you could uh, share a quote or text everyone in the world a message, what would that be? I'd probably say, Eleanor Roosevelt, do one thing every day that scares you. What one thing did you do today, Ruth, that scared you? I got on this podcast at <laughs> seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? It's early over there. Uh, do one thing. What that scares you every day? One thing every day that scares you. Yeah, I like it. Do you believe we all have a, a why or a purpose, like a deeper purpose? 
I really do. I really do. And I didn't always believe that I, uh, you know, as I said, I went through this, this terrible depression in my early twenties and I grew up in a very religious family and I, and going to church twice every Sunday and Christian schools my whole life. And I was at a Christian college. I was taking a lot of religion classes at the same time I was taking philosophy classes. And so when I went through this depression, decided life had no meaning Hmm. and decided that God didn't exist either. And I went completely away from, from God, because in my mind, a God that existed would not have let all the bad things happen to me that happened to me as a child. It just didn't make any sense. I couldn't reconcile any of it. And that was sort of my life for a really long time. And yet, you know, through these suicide attempts, I, my most serious suicide attempt, I actually uh, almost didn't make it. I, I, downed six bottles of prescription sleeping pills, chased it with a bottle of vodka that my therapist happened to call right at that moment when I didn't answer the phone, he called 911 and the fire department broke down my door. My heart stopped in the ambulance. I was on life support with less than a 10% chance of waking up. And three days later I did wake up and the doctor said I would be completely brain damaged. I wasn't. And, um, Hmm. And that was, I mean, that was this moment where, where, and at the time it was not a breakthrough moment. I still, I, it was not, that was not my rock bottom moment. I had a long ways to go from there. Um, but looking back, realizing how close to death I came and knowing that I was, I, that I was there that there was some reason that I was, I'm still here. And, uh, and so I remember having, I eventually found my way back to God, started going back to church again. And I remember very clearly having a moment about six years ago, I think when I was just getting started with my business and just Mm. starting to share my story. And I remember having this moment of just perfect clarity and call it God, call it a higher power, call it whatever you want to be. I don't know what all the answers are. I certainly don't have them, but I do know I had that moment a very crystal clarity where I felt God saying to me, this is why you're here. This is why I saved you all those years ago. You are here for this purpose. You are here to share this story. You are here to let other people know. And I know that I'm here because like I said, when I was going through this depression, I never saw anybody get better. There was never one person that my doctors could point to and say, there, there is somebody who is right where you are, who had this depression, who was, who would ruin their life and is now okay. And now I get to be that person for so many people. And I have them write to me on, you know, on a regular basis because Mm -hmm. I, I do share my story so openly. So I know that for me, that's my, that's my why that's my purpose behind what I do. I don't know that it, that everybody gets that kind of clarity, but I think that we are all here for something. We're all here for, we're all here for a reason. And I do believe that very strongly. Yeah. But it's, it's going back to that whole courage piece, you know, that, that's the sort of motivation and inner courage that can keep you sort of going through those messy middles, you know, tapping into yes. that, that reason, that why, and really letting that drive you. That's really cool. Um, what, what do you believe is the, you probably sort of answered this question, but what do you believe is the underlying motivation behind everything you do? The underlying motivation is really this. Yeah, it is. It's to let people know beyond a shadow of a doubt that no matter where you are at right now, no matter how badly you've screwed 
things up or you feel like you don't know where you're going or what you're doing or how it's going to work out or what you're going to just take the next step. If I can create a seven figure business and a life that I love after going through every bad thing that's ever happened to me and ruining my life in every way imaginable. I mean, there's so many ways that I I should not be here. If I can do that, then so can you, there is hope there, no matter where you are at right now, there is hope. And that's like, if you can't feel it right now, let me hold that hope for you and just, just take the next step. It it can be the smallest thing. Maybe for you, if you're listening to this and you're feeling like you're in a really dark place, maybe it's taking the step of just calling a friend you haven't talked to for a while or calling a therapist to start going back to therapy. Or maybe it's going to take a walk because the exercise and fresh air will help you. Just take one step today and then tomorrow take a different step and you will be amazed at what happens. Yeah, that's cool. I'm going to go a little bit deeper, Ruth. What do you believe is the reason why you want to do the work that you're doing then? Like what is the motivating reason behind you wanting to help others, you know, push through those challenges and push through the fears? What is really behind it all? That's a good question. I, I, I don't know that I have, I've ever like verbalized it beyond just an inner drive. That is, I, I mean, waking up in the morning for me, I jump out of bed every morning at 4am. I can't wait to get up. I can't wait to do what I do. There is no, my husband will ask me the same, same thing actually. Cause he'll, you know, he feels, he sometimes thinks it's like a success drive, but I really, that's not, that's not it for me. It's not, it's certainly not money. That's not what drives me. Hmm. It is just this, feeling beyond, and maybe it is the fact that I have been in a place where I had, I felt no sense of purpose and no meaning and, and nothing but darkness because I, I know what the difference is. I know what, I know that feeling that you're getting like what's, cause you said it's a feeling beyond what is that feeling? What does that feel like? It just feels like this is where I'm meant to be. And this is what I'm meant to be doing. I jump out of bed and I'm excited about what I'm doing. I have, I love working with my team. I love growing. I love growing a team and growing a company and, and fostering an amazing culture that the culture that we have for the team. So that gets me excited. I love the fact that I get to impact people's lives on a regular basis. And that gets me excited, but I just love what I do. I'm passionate about the message, which is do it scared and, and get out there and, and take those, take those steps, take the action. Even when you, even when you feel afraid and start making a difference in your own life. And because I think I just, I just feel, oh my gosh, that is, that's the thing that every single person (laughs) on the planet needs to hear. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. And you can see the passion there. Um, again, Ruth, thanks for coming on the show. I want to encourage everyone to pick up a um, copy of the book. I'm just sitting here in my window. It's dark now, and uh, there's this gecko on my window eating bugs, um, which is quite fascinating to watch. <laughs> but <laughs> on a side tangent, thank you, Ruth, for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure, and uh, wish you all the success with the book and uh, their the career going forward here as well, helping people um, overcome their fears. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to be here. Guys, check it all out, thehiddenwhy.com. It is episode 750. 53. Actually, that could be incorrect. But uh, Ruth, Sukop, and the Hidden White Podcast, you'll find it there with the links to the books and all the show notes. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. 
Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcasts. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is Lee Manutzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon